All right, if you got a Bible, let's open it to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians 1, if you were here with us last week, we started a five-week series on the doctrine of adoption. The doctrine of how a good and gracious father is taking in spiritual orphans to be his beloved children. Now, why spend five whole weeks on just this one idea? Well, if you're a Christian, the gospel is the oxygen that you breathe. It is the way that you do life. And a lot of us came in here this morning trying to spiritually breathe off of one lung. We're trying to do life on half a gospel. We're trying to do life on a gospel that merely says, God the judge has banged his gavel and declared us innocent. That's amazing news. There's so much more to the gospel than that. The gospel isn't just God getting you out of the spiritual doghouse. No, the gospel is even more so God the Father wrapping his arm around us and taking us home, dressing us in the robe and ring of his own son, loving and caring for us as much as he does Christ and promising to us the same future he has promised his son Jesus. This is why the author J.I. Packer says that our understanding of Christianity and and by extension, the gospel, cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. You know, let me ask you this week, how much this past week did the thought of being the Father's beloved child by grace come across your mind? How much did the warmth of his smile dawn on you? How much did the certainty of having by grace the same legal status and standing before him as his son Jesus change the way that you reacted to something? If you're like me, not nearly as much as you would have wanted to. And so over these five weeks, we are lingering on this doctrine of adoption so that we can can come alive to the Father's love for us. So read with me Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Follow along and let the gospel of adoption come alive in you right now. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. All to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
Uh, having a plan, if you want to achieve something, having a plan is pretty important, right? Having a plan is crucial if you want to get something done. If you have ever ran a race, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The average person does not just wake up one morning and think, you know what, today I'm going to run in that half marathon that's going on. No, it takes, it takes months and months of planning and preparation all for that one morning. That's why there's a whole cottage industry of people who will help you prepare for those two hours of, if you're like me, agony and pure regret. Without a plan, though, it's not going to happen. Plans are crucial. Good plans, though, are really crucial. Um, Before Becca and I started dating, I thought I had hatched the perfect plan to woo her to me. I had heard that she liked swing dancing, And so I found this restaurant that on Thursday nights converted their basement into an old-fashioned speakeasy. You had to go around the back corner of the alley. There was a password to get in, the whole thing. So I thought, this is amazing. She is going to love it. And by extension, she is going to fall in love with me. There's one part of the plan that I didn't think through. I hate dancing. In fact, I refuse to do it. And so the whole plan completely backfired. I spent the whole night sitting on a bar stool watching one of my friends just whisk her all around the dance floor. Joke's on him, I won. (laughs) Um, You know, having a plan is crucial. Having a really good plan is really crucial. Last week, we looked at the act of adoption in Galatians 4. Today, we're going to look at the plan of adoption. And it's a really good one. If you're a Christian, long before you even knew his name, long before you even had a name, the Father looked at you, loved you, and said, you're gonna be mine. Uh, In this letter to the Ephesians, That is at the gateway of everything that Paul is talking about. Before he can begin anything else, he unfolds the Father's family planning. Plans to embrace orphans like us in our suffering and sin and make us his cherished children by grace. So the plan of adoption, three things we're going to look at in it. The plan means you are wanted, you are secure, and you are looked after. So first, the plan, the Father's adoption plan, means you are wanted. So in verse 4, Paul says the word that we all long to hear said about us. Chosen. Picked selected, wanted. It's how we come alive to the Father's love in the first place. The impression that our hearts naturally put in our minds is that we have to reach out to God, we have to get his attention, we have to choose him. The reality is just the opposite. The Father reaches out to us. The Father is getting our attention. The Father is choosing you. It's his favorite way of welcoming us into his family. 
In fact, it's the only way. The father's family planning all begins with a choice. One that he made long before we ever even knew who he was. Paul says in the gospel, the father chooses to adopt us, chooses to wrap his arm around us and take us home before the world was even made. It's what theologians call the covenant of redemption, the pactum salutis, that before time even started, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit made a pact, made a commitment of grace to adopt wandering orphans into their family of love. You see, adopting love is choosing love. That's the way it works. You know, before I moved down here in Florida, I served at a church up in Boston. One of the pastors up there, him and his wife had multiple kids. One of them was adopted. They had adopted a daughter. And he would say, sometimes he would get asked the question from people, do you love all your kids the same? And he would say, you know, I... I don't know if this is necessarily the right answer. This is what's true for us. So this is what I tell people. I love all my kids deeply, passionately. But with my adopted daughter, there is something different. We can't ignore that. We had to choose her. We had to look out and say, her. She's going to be ours. When the father adopts you into his family, he says, I chose you. The gospel of adoption means that to your heavenly father, you are not an afterthought. You are not the result of a spiritual mistake or unwanted pregnancy. You're not even a surprise. You have been a part of the plan from the very beginning. And as one author wrote, before the oceans were even made, the Father had loved you. And here's the best part. The Father chooses us not because he needs to, no, because he wants to. Paul says in verse 5 that the Father has chosen and predestined us to adoption to sonship. To have, as we looked at last week, the same by grace status, smile, and stateliness of his own son, Jesus. And he does it all according to what? His pleasure and will. When the father chooses us, it's not because he needs to. He lacks for nothing. It's because he wants to. You know, it's nice to feel needed. Some of us, that's the only way that we feel loved, when we feel needed by other people around us. Isn't it so much better to feel wanted? The Father's plan of adoption means you are wanted. You know, some of us in here today, we know all too well what it's like to feel unwanted. You had a spouse who said, I don't want you anymore. You had a parent who said, I don't want this family anymore. Maybe that was through divorce. Maybe that was through some of us in marriages right now 
where we still live in the same house together, but our, our husband, our wife has completely shut down. Or some of us, we want to get married and we are waiting and waiting and waiting and it still hasn't happened. We're starting to wonder if it ever will or is it me? Am I just damaged goods to everyone else? And then there's also others of us in here this morning who we know all too well through the wound of sexual abuse, what it's like to feel wanted in the worst way possible, what it's like to be wanted by someone who was not looking to delight in you but disgrace you. Ephesians 1 is saying when you come alive, to the plan of adoption. When you come alive to the father heart of God for you, you are embraced by the only love that truly matters because it is the only love that truly lasts. And he says, I want you. The plan of adoption means you're wanted. Second, it means you're secure. In verse 4, Paul gives us a glimpse into the future of our adoption story. That the goal of God's fatherly embrace for us in the gospel is so that one day we will stand before him, holy and blameless in his sight. Now hold that thought for a second. If that is where our adoption story is going, is to one day be made as loving and as lovely as Jesus, then what Paul is implying here is that when the Father took us in, when he welcomed us as spiritual orphans into his family of grace, the opposite was true of us. That he chose us. He, he wanted you when you were unholy and blameworthy. When we deserved not his Embrace, but his rejection. When the Father adopts us, when he wraps his arm around us and takes us home, when he now smiles on us with the same delight that he has for Jesus, it is because we are chosen, not because we are choice. You know, apart from the Father's grace in our lives, Paul later in Ephesians would say, we are sons of disobedience. We are children of wrath. Meaning there was nothing in us that should have made the Father desire us. You know, the bar into the Father's family is incredibly low. In fact, here's the best part. He'll take anybody. Now, in one sense, that should humble us. But in another sense, that should make us incredibly secure in this Father's love for us. See, if you're married and your husband or your wife asks you, why do you love me? What are some of the things you'll say? Right, here's the list that I normally go through. Well, you're good looking and you know, you're smart and you're funny. You know what God's answer to that question for us is? Why do I love you? Because I love you. Deuteronomy 7, 
God tells Israel through Moses, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than all the other peoples, because you were the obvious pick. No, you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you. The Father wants us, adopts us, cherishes us, promises us a future inheritance. Not because we showed potential, not because we were the spiritual best and brightest. No, because in the gospel, he loves you because he loves you. Now, for some of us, that's a little disappointing to hear. We live in a culture that worships achievement. But do you realize how much more securing this is than saying, well, I, I earned my place at the Father's family table through my own spiritual sweat and hard work? You know, one of the replies that people will often give if you ask them if they're a Christian is they'll say, I'm working on it, I'm trying. You know, Corey and Angela Edgar, members of Crosspoint here, they just adopted a beautiful new baby boy named Matthew. Now let's imagine for a second that Matthew could talk. And they were here and you, you bumped into them after the service and you said, Matt, are you adopted? Do you think, do you think he would get out, you know, through the baby babble? Well, I'm trying I'm working on it. No, he had no home until one day Corey and Angela signed the papers and said, now you've always got a home, our home. It's secure. In the gospel, your adoption has never been and can never be any more secure than it is right this moment. The father choosing us before the foundations of the earth, before time even began, means his decision was completely free. There was nothing compelling him, nothing manipulating him, nothing persuading him to adopt us. No, in the gospel, the father takes us home, sits us in his own son's chair at the family table, all out of his extravagant grace and love for you. Adoption by grace means that this father will never disown you. He will never regret for one second adopting you. He will never say you're a lost cause. He will never think, you know, every other child that I adopted turned out okay, but you're just too much for me. Hear me say this, you can never be too much for your heavenly father. When we come to him with our need, with our sin, he's not mumbling under his breath, rolling his eyes or looking for the exit. Now he says, oh, my son, oh, my daughter, come slide up your chair. Let me quiet you with my love. Before time began, before the oceans were made, before we were ever even born, he foreknew everything, 
every failure, every moment of betrayal, every sin. And in the gospel, he lit up in heaven, in eternity with love at the thought of us and said, him, her. Yep, I want them. Your adoption is secure. So you know what that means? We can put down our masks. We don't have to pretend in here. Ephesians 1 is saying, good news, we're all the black sheep in God's family. And he has promised to one day make us into spotless lambs. That we will stand before him, meaning in the gaze of his loving acceptance, holy and blameless. That one day his adopted sons will become like his son. You are secure in the gospel. The Father embraced you, named you, and wrote you into the will when you were at your absolute worst and has promised to resurrect you to become like his absolute best. So you know what that means? Pressure's off. The pressure's off. We can put down our masks. We don't have to pretend but instead we can be secure enough to say to someone else, I'm not okay. In fact, I'm a a mess right here in this part of my life. We can come to Crosspoint on Sunday and and not feel like we have to put on any sort of Crosspoint look, make it seem like we have it all together, but we can be secure enough in the only love that will never, never let us go. Say, I don't have it all together right now. You pray for me? The Father's plan of adoption means you're wanted, you're secure, and lastly, you are looked after. Like an artist creating their masterwork, the Father has designed his his magnum opus of grace where wandering spiritual orphans can become his prized heirs. Who, as John Calvin put it, in the gospel now have in heaven not a judge, no, a gracious father. So here's the question then. How does the plan become alive in us? How does it go from divine thought into our reality? Well, Paul actually tells us in this passage three different times. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. How does the Father's plan of adoption come alive in us? You get united to his son. When we see those words, in him, in Christ, in the one he loves, it's all Paul's shorthand way of describing our union with Christ our new reality in the gospel, where the Holy Spirit now irreversibly 
bonds us to Jesus. You know, I had a roommate once who was in the Navy for eight years and uh, he, he served on a submarine in the Navy. He worked in naval intelligence and pretty much his entire time he was in the Navy, he was always the low man on the totem pole. And so one of the things that meant is if they were out traveling somewhere, maybe they're in an airport and they had some sensitive material that they were carrying with them. He had to be the one to carry it, which at that time, I'm sure they've devised a better way to do this now, but that time meant he had to carry on this big metal briefcase handcuffed to his arm. Our union with Christ means that in the gospel of adoption, the Son of God, the one the Father loves, has handcuffed us to himself. He has decided to irreversibly associate himself with, with undeserving us who had achieved on our own nothing but his father's rejection. All so that we can participate in, we can enjoy for ourselves Jesus' own experience of sonship, belovedness, and the good pleasure of his affectionate father. You know, our union with Christ, it is the umbilical cord of grace in our lives through which Jesus shares with you everything it means for him to be the son in whom the father is well pleased. In the gospel of adoption, the father doesn't love you to the degree you are like his son. He loves you to the degree you are in his son. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you are in Jesus 100% full stop. So how does Jesus unite us to himself? Well, he brothers us. He brothers us in the best way possible. In Luke 15, the, the famous parable of the prodigal son, a lot of us know it, the younger son uh, takes his father's inheritance, one-third of everything the father owned. He goes off, blows it, hits rock bottom, and is now sitting there alone in desperate need, longing for someone to come and rescue him. Now, in the, in the context of that culture, in the context of the story, the person to do that should have been the older brother. He should have gone off into the far country, found his younger brother, brought him back, and paid the cost to reinstate him as a son. Because when the younger son left and took with him one-third of the father's estate, that meant everything now that the father owns rightfully belonged to the older brother. So the only way now for the younger brother to legally be reinstated into the family is if the older brother would be willing to give up some of what rightly belonged to him and make his younger brother a son again. Now in Luke 15, that never happened. But in Luke 23, it did. Because it's there on the cross that Jesus becomes our true elder brother 
who when we were helpless and alone, alienated from our father, orphaned from the love we always wanted but have never really known, Jesus, the son, went off into a far country, found us in our desperate need, and paid the cost to bring us into his dad's home. That as one theologian puts it, in the gospel, the son of God holds out the hand of a brother and takes us into the presence of his father. And here's the best part. He's not ashamed to do it. Hebrews 2, he's not ashamed to have us as his adopted siblings. No, in fact, he's glad to share with us his seat at the Father's family table, all because he says, I am so one, my heavenly Father, that whoever he loves, I love. So how is the Father's plan of adoption come alive in us? You let Jesus brother you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that before we knew your name, before we even had a name, before the oceans were even made, you had a plan, a really good one to adopt us wandering spiritual orphans to be your beloved children. That you wanted us and secured us through Jesus, your son, brothering us. Spirit, make us alive to the Father's love today and let us leave here completely changed by it. Amen.